Welcome to the Talking Through Hard Things podcast by Believer's Life Ministries. We want to thank you for joining in this experience of Christian conversation and thought as we attempt to dig deeper into theology and scripture and the application of both in our daily lives. Today, Pastor Maison will be talking with Pastor William Mack, the Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where we will be discussing the health and life of the church. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Amen, amen, amen. Welcome to the Believer's Life Bible Study. You notice a little different format tonight because I got my friend and my compadre and a wonderful pastor uh, who's hanging out with us tonight, Pastor William Mack. And so the view's a little different, uh, but we're going to try to make sure that we give you everything that we possibly can. Uh, again, excited to have you guys join us and hang out with us tonight. It is truly um, a blessing from God to be able to hang out with you guys. You know, we love coming to you each and every Tuesday uh, to be able to share with you the Word of God and uh, dive into some deeper subjects and, and just really talk about uh, uh, the kingdom. And, and what does that mean for us uh, as believers? How do we continue to develop the kingdom? And so, again, like I said, we have Pastor William Mack with us to, today. Pastor Mack, you want to say anything? What's up, Believer's Life family? So glad to be with y'all today and with one of my favorite people, Pastor Mizon Crossway. <clears throat> Look forward to chopping up conversation and in the word. And uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this all day today. So. Yeah, uh, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this, and I hope I can hold my weight against Pastor Cross with Pastor Cross White. Oh man, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> well, we are uh, we're going to be discussing and talking about the health and life of the church, um, and kind of dig into some um, some interesting t- statistics, um, and then kind of chop it up as pastors uh, and as uh, ministry leaders, uh, where, where we think the church needs to go um, and what we need to do as the church, um, because we find ourselves in this very interesting time period. You know, we we have this panorama, uh, this pandemic that has affected us um, as as physical church and also virtual and then with regards to um numbers and how that all uh and all that how that all kind of plays out um for specifically for pastors and for leaders in churches um because we're watching some dynamics take place um that is really changing um the life of the church uh and i i feel and we'll talk about this in a little bit um I'm not going to jump into it. So let's go ahead and get into prayer and then we'll get right into it uh, and chop it up with Pastor Mac. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for another great day you've given us. We are thankful for your blessings, your power, your mercy, your glory that has been poured out upon us. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would uh, just stretch out thy hand to us, that you would motivate us, make us into all you need us to be. 
Father, that you would turn, tilt, and twist us in the directions we need to go, that you would head off the paths that are not right for us, and that you would make clear the paths that would lead to your glory, your power, and your might. Lord, we ask and seek that you would uh, touch each and every person who tunes in and joins us this evening, that you would continue to touch and bless their lives, heal them, strengthen them, deliver them, provide for them. Uh, with great joy and with great power. Lord, we ask that you would continue to watch over each and every one of us as we do your will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we recognize you as a great God. We honor you as an awesome Savior, and we give our lives to you fully and completely. Now, Lord, open our eyes that we would see your glory. Open our hearts that we would show forth your love. Open our minds that we would uh, uh, understand your will. And open our eyes that we'll run and tell somebody. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. 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 So, so, uh, Mac, um, one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk to you about and chop it up with you about today was with regards to a, a statistic that I read um, not too long ago, or actually very recently, um, where the, the Pew study had done a new research, some new research on churchgoers, and they mm-hmm. found that churchgoers in the United States uh, who have a physical church, uh, that, that physically go to church on Sunday, has for the first time in American history has dropped below 50%. So mm. we're at around 46% of the, of the population, of the adult population that indicates that they are churchgoers. First time. So in 2018, we were right at 50%. In 1999, we were at 70%. So within a a 10 to 15 year period, um, we have literally seen a dramatic dip in, in church, in church goers. Um, So when you hear those kind of statistics, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? So, you know, I think the first thing that that comes to mind is that there is, of course, there's a great, um, you know, people will say there's a great uh, turning away um, of individuals from the traditional church. And and, and, And one of the things I tell people is that when we when we hear that word church, what we're really measuring what we're really talking about is is that there's a decline of people that are showing up to sunday morning worship right mm-hmm. um and and so that that that's you know so that's that's what scares people right so you know for so long we've always said that sunday morning worship is a measurement for uh church attendance right but really what's happening is is that you're starting to see a shift right um and i tell people when we look at those numbers while those numbers are true if you look at exactly what they're measuring um, instead of looking at it as this great exodus from the church, um, you should see two things. You should see what is the shift in culture um, and what is um, the opportunity now to meet culture um, and bring and represent um, to that current culture. Because, you know, when you think about it throughout time, how we've shown up in worship and in fellowship 
I'm gonna get a little ahead of myself, has shifted, right? It's never been um, the same. And it's not until modern time, modern history, have we been able to say, okay, a true believer goes to church every Sunday. And so are we saying there's a decline in Christianity? Are we saying there's a decline in this institution of this uh, way that we've created and presented church? And so I always tell people that, yes, we hear that number, um, and I believe it's true. I absolutely believe it's true. Um, but what exactly are we measuring? Are we measuring people leaving the faith? Are we measuring people that are, are, are finding and experiencing Christ in and through community in a different way? Mm-hmm. And I would, I, would, I would go with the latter. Okay. So, so one of the questions that, that we had chopped, uh, that we had kicked around um, when we were having the discussion of what we were kind of to talk about was the idea of is the church in in decline or dying or is Christianity in decline or dying uh, with the new culture that we kind of face um, more specifically with uh, with millennials and, and Gen A and the the those that are under thirty, um, because that is the group that we're really missing at this point in time. And I wonder if there's a way for us to get them back or to draw them in. And we said, so again, I think it's really clear that we got to be clear about what we're drawing them into, right? Are we drawing them into a loving, growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are we saying, hey, we want you to to be in our building at these three times, right? And so I think there's, I think there's a, a little bit of both that's happening, right? I think that there is, um, we have to look at how we've been presenting Christ to those generations, right? Um, you know, so for example... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a child of the eighties. So, um, um, I, I grew up being drugged to church, but church was also a huge part of my upbringing. It was part of my community. It was part of my culture. So, um, you know, if, if, if you want to hang out with your friends, they went to church. If you were going to the community center, it was connected to the church. If you needed assistance, it was connected to the church. We married in the church. We buried in the church. Culture has now shifted. So all of those generations that you're talking about, X, Y, and Z, church had, was not the central part of their of their upbringing, right? And so when you look at individuals like ourselves and 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 even, and even older, you know, for a part of we we've been steeped in the church, right? So like we can't imagine our lives without being connected to the church in some way. Amen. But yeah. their experience has not been the same. Has not been that they were literally born into a world with technology. We're learning the stuff that they were literally born into, right? And in their hands, they can access anything they would want to know when they want to know it, right? And so there's a drawing away, but I think part of that is we've got to meet them where they are and meet them. And so I, I challenge a lot of churches, church leaders, when I'm doing consultations for youth ministries, um, you know, they talk about the kids aren't coming to church, then I come in, then I come in. And I always said that it was never the church church's job to sit here and say, hey, come to my house, come play with me, come play with me, come play with me. Jesus said, go, right? And so we have to go out. We have to go out. We have to connect with the people. And for those generations, X, Y, and Z, and those that are to come, we've got to go to where they are. 
Yeah. And be okay yeah. that if they don't come to our house to play, but we're taking the message of Jesus to where they are and they're connecting with Jesus, then they form online communities. Then they form TikTok support groups. I, I, I don't know because again, I'm I'm in that I'm in that that category where I don't even fully understand all this happening technologically. But I understand yeah. that if I'm going to be re- remain relevant and present Jesus um, to that generation, that's where they are. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's been part of what I've been uh, struggling with and and looking at with regards to the church Um, because we are in this really strange uh, paradigm that is that is shifting rapidly Um, Mm -hmm. we we are at a moment in time where uh, where you where like we said we see a great falling away um, from the physical church building, but you also see this great spiritual awakening that's happening in the lives of people that is completely outside of uh, what we consider religious proper or, or yeah. church proper. Um, yeah. So, so we have we have all of these youth who. Uh, again, when I say youth, I'm talking about those under 30, which is a really strange dynamic to say youth under 30. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I was 30, I didn't consider myself a youth, but right, right. I, I see that now. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna hit. I didn't hit 50. I'm old now. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, we but I there, see. I, I see the church really struggling. Um, with those aspects um, because there has been or there is uh, a resistance um, to actually going out to where people are um, and meeting them uh, in the place where they where they're congregating now where they're hanging out where they're doing things yeah and that has been one of the greatest things that the pandemic did to the church is that it forced it online. And that's where they are at this point. They're, yeah. they're on YouTube, they're on TikTok, they're on Discord, they're, they're everywhere that's digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pandemic for me has illuminated the fact that the church has greatly been missing from that space. Um, and so I, I think that there's a great opportunity for us to be able to, um, to do some evangelism. Yeah. I hate that word. Uh, I mean, not not that I hate the word, but no, no, I hate the word. No, I'm gonna be real. Um, <laughs> that's what, that's what we're here for. We're here to like break down some stuff. And sometimes evangelism seems like we're always just trying to grab you in and pull you in and make you be part of us. Um, when that was never what evangelism was supposed nope. to be. It was supposed right. to be an eye opener uh, and a, a a soul tug. Um, never a grab and pull you in and hold you and say, you got to do this um, or you're going to hell. 
um, evangelism was about love or should be about love um, and openness and respect and drawing yeah. you into the the love of Jesus Christ as Savior that ultimately saves one's soul. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I, I I see this as a good opportunity for for the church to kind of expand itself and do Dude, something. It's an amazing opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I I've been sharing with several friends. Like this for me now. You know, you, we've known each other for a long time, but for me, um, this is a very exciting time for the church universal, right? We are only limited by our imaginations and our fears. Like, yeah. we literally have an opportunity to present the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ in ways that in the past, pre-pandemic, uh, we were restricted by because that was not our norm, Right. Well, our norm has been shattered for over the last 18 months, right? And so, yeah. you know, where we had all of these concerns about, um, you know, who's going to show up on Sunday and how do we staff this and who's going to do that and how do we get them there and, you know, what's the sermon series going to be and, you know, how much offering are we going to bring in? None of that matters anymore, right? Yes. So I, I use this example. I, you know, um, for those who don't know, uh, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and um Last summer, um, our city, last spring into the summer, city got really hot with protests. Uh, my, my, me, my associates, our church, uh, my family, we were part of the protest movement. We were out in the streets uh, advocating for justice, uh, seeking civil rights, um, speaking truth to power. And what really, uh, what, I, what I love has happened over the last year is that that community of protesters has turned into a church, right? Like there's a church that is emerging out of that, right? And even the way I was interacting with them, that there were there were people that um, that, that that were never in my pews that called me Rev, right? They called me Pastor. Hey, can we talk? So it's like, hey, Pastor, it's good to see you. Can you pray for me real quick? Hey, my mama's sick. When 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 people were getting killed, we grieved together, we cried together, we rejoiced together, uh, we shared the love of Christ together, we shared meals together, and all of that stuff that I'm talking about is the gospel, right? It is mm, the sharing yeah. of the love and the message of Jesus Christ. And it didn't happen in a building. It didn't happen uh, um, 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 in, a, in a big old synagogue. It happened on the street streets. Um, and then I, my call, I noticed, began to start shifting because as a pastor, I'm always concerned about the, the hearts uh, um, and souls of people. And so when I started pulling back from the protests, I started noticing there was a call to care for the protesters. So who's praying for you? How are you keeping this straight? Who's checking in on you? There's a lot of injustice that's happening. There's a lot of killings that are happening back to back to back to back. That weighs on your soul. And I know you've got children at home. That weighs on your soul. And I know that you've got a marriage that you're trying to hold together. That weighs on your soul. And you're trying to finish college. And you're trying to figure out, is your life valued? Do people care for black women? So how can I care for you? And there were plenty of times that I'm just out there praying with protesters. Um, and I had yeah. friends of mine that were just, we were just out there caring for the protesters because we wanted them to know we care about the things that you care about, but we also care about you. And most importantly, God cares about you. And as a representative of Jesus Christ, I'm showing up today not to pass out a track because guess what? The doors are still closed. 
But through this mask, I want you to know that I love you. We had worship services outside in the in, in Justice Square, um, and we worshiped together. We shouted together. Uh, there were me and several other pastors that would just pass the mic and preach. Uh, people gave their life to Christ right there on the corner of 6th and Jefferson in front of the courthouse. We baptized people out there. I don't know what church they landed at, but I know they landed in relationship with Jesus. Black people, and, and white that, people, Hispanic that, people. That's the that is one of the biggest failures of the church, in my opinion, is that we oftentimes expect someone to land at a building or yes. a particular pastor um, without realizing that some of those folk are never going to darken the church's door. Absolutely not. Because absolutely it could be there could be there could be church hurt there could be um some idea of sin theology um that keeps them away that says that if i'm not right i can't darken the doors of a church uh there could be some personal um personal issues it could be there could be transportation issues um it could be distrust because part of part of becoming part of a of a of a church or part of a, a a congregation is there's a trust element that has to be there and if you don't trust where you're going you ain't gonna show up and right. I think that I think that that's been part of the church's issue is that we have this expectation that somebody immediately jumps into uh, church and into a building. Um, because the truth, we keep using this term church and it really just in, in, in lieu of temple, in lieu of right, building. Right, right. Because church, as we, we've been taught all the way through, is the ecclesia, those called out and called into. You know, that's that Reverend Rogers teaching. You remember that, <laughs> <laughs> right? 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 You know, we we he's are so, the fellowship. He's so proud of you right Ecclesia. now, right? Yes. Um, and we keep calling, we keep calling the building, the church, when it's yes. only the gathering place for yeah. those who have chosen to fellowship together. So, so then my question shifts to this: since we know that there. I got a couple of things because of what you just said. I I want to. It's going to take us in a couple of different directions, but okay. I'm going to ask you this question first. So, what do we do as pastors and church leaders to fellowship with those who will never darken our doors? That's good. What What do we I do? think that? We so here's here's one of the things that I've been challenging our leadership. And I think, again, I'm not saying that we've got it perfect, but uh, those who know me know that I, I'm very much an advocate of the kingdom thinking, right? That everything that we do has a kingdom effect. We, um, if we're not careful, we'll get in trouble because we'll try to be territorial when we realize we have no territory, mm, right? Facts. That every... Every soul that is saved, every soul uh, belongs to Christ and the kingdom of heaven. And so that means that when I understand kingdom principle, when I understand that, yes, we are the body of Christ, this is a local fellowship, 
but the soul belongs to the kingdom, right? Yeah. Then I am open to fellowship. I'm open to being missional. I'm open to evangelism because I know that the kingdom will yield a dividend, whether that, yeah. that individual never makes it to my door. Like, and again, I'm not saying that we do it, we're, we're doing everything right. We're kind of learning as we go. But I mean, there were there was a sister who um, a young white sister who gave her life to Christ um, after I preached one night uh, down at the square. And there were four pastors that were out there. Right. And all of us talked to her. All of us prayed with her. She ended up getting baptized at another church. I think she visited one other church. I don't know where she landed. But my prayer for that sister was that she would land in a kingdom, Bible believing Christ. Uh, 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 yeah, just she would land there, right? And if it's Grace yeah. Church, Louisville, phenomenal. If it's not Grace, then I pray that she's at the place where the Lord wants her to be. And so I think that when we enter out with that hard tilt, that my objective is to advance the kingdom of God, that my objective is to make sure that people know the message of Jesus Christ, that my objective is to make sure that God is pleased in my service. When we leave it out with that heart tilt and allow that to be the the, 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 the guiding force and how we do evangelism and how we do missions work, when we allow that to be our guiding force, then it, the fellowship part becomes easy because we all are entering with the same agenda. Oftentimes, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself competing with one man against another, one pastor against another, one church against another for a soul that never belonged to you. You can't save that soul. You can't preserve that soul. What you can do is you can love that soul and shepherd that soul, and they may move on one day or not. So so I think we have to be really, really careful about how we move and maneuver and what what is our heart's intent when we go out, right? Um, yeah. When we look at the early church in Acts 2, the people came together around tables and broke bread and, and, and chopped up scripture and supported one another. Yes. And it wasn't yes. it wasn't this idea of, oh, I belong to Round Table Baptist Church and you belong to Rectangle Table Missionary Baptist Church and don't come over here because we're Triangle Table. No, they were all followers of Christ who said, hey, we're coming together to fellowship if you ain't got it, I got it. Come on over. Rectangle table, come over to the triangle table. We got bread, you got jelly, you got peanut butter over at the circle table. Cool. We all got a sandwich and we're going to talk about Jesus. And I mm -hmm. think what's happened and really the beauty of the pandemic is that God has been able to kind of hit the pause button and make us reanalyze and look at what is most important in this moment. Mm -hmm. And what's most important is when people need hope. And the only hope that is going to save and sustain is the hope of Jesus Christ. And so yeah. how do I represent Jesus to a world that has been shut in and shut down and is hurting and is crying for answers and solutions? And I'm not going to tell them that they if they if they don't make it into our building. They're not safe. Where do I meet them? I can meet you in the streets. I'll meet you in the stores. I'll meet you in the parking lots. I'll meet you online. I'll meet you in a video gaming community. Like I'll, I'll meet you where you are and love you where you are so that you can know that the love of Jesus Christ is present wherever you may be. And by the way, if you need a place of support, if you're looking for a family or a community to connect with, I just happen to pastor one. Or if my community is not the community for you, I can send you to Pastor Mizon or, you know, I refer you out. But we've got to understand that we have no territory over something that we did not create. Yeah. 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 That's, that's very true. You know, for 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 me, um, seeing that most of what we do for believers life is digital 
Um, yeah. And we have a our online presence is the main is the it's the thing that we have. Um, we don't have a building, um, but we have a ministry that reaches out to people uh, wherever they are and says, okay, you got a place to be able to come and study. You have a place to be able to come and learn. Um, you have, and if you want to contact me, you can call me. I'll pray for you. If you, if you, if you're in need of something, some resource, I'll try to make sure that we can meet that need or put you in the right place. And I think that's part of what the digital part of the ministry has to evolve towards is realizing that you have a membership that is beyond a, a log that is taken on Sunday morning or, mm -hmm. or, or a piece of paper that you sign that says that I want to covenant with you or a, um, a statement of faith that you signed at another church or, or wherever it may have been. But it's really opening up to the world around us and saying, we're here to wrap our arms around you no matter where you are, right, um, no right. matter what stage in life you're at, um, no matter what's happening in your life, is that we're here to love you and to help you. And whatever we have to do to do that is, that's how we want to affect change. Um, and that's yeah. how we want to um, expand the kingdom of God because that again that's what it's always about is expanding the kingdom of God and letting people know that there's a place for them in the kingdom and that should stretch like you said beyond uh, uh, grace or St. Stephen's or a believer's life or a Mount Tabor or whatever it is, but that it should be all connectedness to where we realize that this is really a body, that we're really part yeah. of a connection um, that Absolutely. goes beyond denomination or dogma or theological construct, but it really goes towards um, a kingdom philosophy and a kingdom mindset that says that we want to get to know who God is and get in touch with him and and to walk in his presence and in his glory and ultimately end up with him forever um yeah so. when we look at the narrative of philip and the ethiopian eunuch man um you know <clears throat> the eunuch is going along about his business he's reading the scrolls and philip asks him does he understand what he's reading the eunuch says no i don't philip in philip not in church in, yes. in in the back of the chariot explains the gospel right yeah. then the eunuch says i want to be baptized what's, what's preventing me from being baptized there's That's some water the right over there they stop yeah they baptize your boy on the side of the road after he's received the gospel in the car right and so yeah. i ask people all the time are we building bridges or are we building barriers right mm -hmm. oftentimes yeah. we'll we'll say oh you know, they're asking, what's preventing me from knowing Christ? What's preventing me from salvation? What's preventing me from having hope? And, you know, if we're not careful, either consciously or subconsciously, we're saying, well, you can have them if you show up on Sunday, or you can have them if you do it this way. Uh, you know, even Christ on the cross didn't even demonstrate that. He said, listen, this is who I am. 
He says, oh, I want to be with you in paradise. He looks over. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. The end. He's building bridges. We are always trying to build a bridge that connects us and connects others to Christ. And so if we start engaging in that manner, right, with that intentionality that am I and ask and, then, and truly ask, am I building a bridge in this opportunity or am I building a barrier? Right. Those things are so very necessary. And there are so many people that are afraid. There are so many people that um don't even know if, if they're qualified or if they're even loved enough. And that's literally the message of Jesus Christ, that he loved us so much that he gave us in spite of. So like right before the pandemic hit, um, one of the <laughs> one of my members and we hadn't shut down yet. Um, she bought she bought her psychic to church and she said, I, I want you to I want you to meet my psychic. I said, OK. Like this is a psych, and so the lady comes in and she's you know trying to read my oars, and I'm like, not right now, baby. We we, we got to do church, and in that on that Sunday between the music and the gospel presentation, she was just moved to tears. I mean, just bawling her eyes out, um, and like three, four more Sundays after that, she just came Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and she was like, I keep coming back, and she brought her daughters like the last two times. And she said, I don't know what this is that keeps making me want to come back, but I want to come back more. And I said, baby, that's just the love of Jesus. Like you're loved here. She was like, well, you know, as a psychic, I said, listen, I know this is different, but what you're feeling is love. And, 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 and I could see in that moment that she was really trying to maneuver through like, do they know who I am? Do they know what I do? They don't really know me. Da, 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 da. But I'm feeling and I'm experiencing something. We have to be better bridges. We have to be better bridges. Better bridges to people with different ideas and thoughts and theologies. Because, again, it's not our it's not our responsibility to tell them what they don't know. We just got to tell them the truth of what Jesus is and let them experience Jesus for themselves. And so I always ask the question. And I even have to ask myself in this moment, am I being a bridge? Am I being a bridge or am I being a barrier? And if I'm being a barrier, Lord, forgive me. I repent um, and allow me to be the bridge that people can connect to Christ. Yeah. You know, that, and what you're saying is and we've had we've had similar conversations to this before, specifically with regards to um, the ministry is messy. Um, and. And you, and if you open yourself up, if you say that I want the unsaved, I want those that are uh, that we're that we're out in the streets touching. The reality is, is that it's messy. Um, you're going to get psychics. You're going to get uh, um, the lost. You're going to get the dirty. Right. You're going to get the sinful. Right. You're going to get those that are dealing with issues of depression or shame, um, anger. And so you have all of these various things that you're, as churches, we oftentimes say we want that, but when it shows up, how do you, how do you deal with that now? How right. do you operate in that? Um, because in, in some circumstances, for a psychic to walk into a church, they would be oh, excoriated yeah. and ostracized <laughs> and and felt and they would have felt and they would have felt unwelcomed. Oh, but yeah. Because of who you are and because of uh the love that you have 
for people and your and your um openness to uh deal with the mess to to deal with the fact that if you catch the fish you you got to clean them before you before you right. eat them right you you have to you got to realize that if you leave them out too long they're going to stink right and if you don't care for them they're going to rot and so you you know there's a process that has to take place in order to preserve um <laughs> and that takes you to scripture that says that we are the salt Right. And salt without seasoning is no good. Just, just to be thrown right. out. And part right. of what salt does is that it's a preservative and that it actually provides pr protection from the rot, from the stank, yeah. from the mess. So you have to sometimes coat them in the salt of the believer. And if the believer ain't ready, or the believers right. aren't ready, or if they're not, or if that, or if they lost their effectiveness, it does more damage. Right. You know. So we have to, you know, we we have to think about those things. And, and so I, I, that's why I appreciate about you is the fact that you you are a person that looks at it and goes okay I'm gonna make sure that I put all the love I can on the situation and then it makes people come back over and over and over again and and she ain't changed who she was but you are introducing her to the change agent absolutely who can absolutely. draw anyone out of that thing that might be uh, detrimental to their soul, but catch this, William. And I'm gonna tell you. I, I'm gonna say something that's controversial. I, I, I know where you're going to. Go ahead. Romans 14 and 14. Mm -hmm. Paul is talking about food in particular, but he says mm -hmm. something that I believe that when we take it from a spiritual perspective, he says in Romans 14, "I have been convinced." Jesus himself convinced me that all things are made for God's good. And it is how we esteem them or hold them in accordance that makes them sinful. So my question is, isn't this woman inherently good? And is it only our stumbling block of our pharisaical or sagacitical perspective of Christianity mm. that says that she's bad? Right. Or that what she believes or what she may practice is inherently bad. Right. Because the scripture says she's God's child and she's good. Yeah. And if she comes to know who Christ is, then she's saved. So yeah. she's good and saved. Yeah. But does that mean she automatically stops her practice? Here's the thing, man. Like, so yeah. 
Yeah, let's go there. I think oftentimes we we forget. Um, I like that you elevated Romans. I'm going to elevate Genesis 128. That when God looked back at all, all creation, he said it was good, right? Mm, so yeah. every everything that God created. So we've got it both in the first and second testaments that when God sees the thing that God has created, he says that it is good, right? Mm, now, yeah. I think the reality is is that because says it's good because God says that it is good, we are good, he is good, she is good. They are good. I'm hit all the pronouns. Um, that we need to make sure that we know that along with that goodness is worthiness. Mm-hmm. That they are worthy. They yeah. are worthy. They are worthy. Um, and when you enter into that, and also remember, not only are they good, but they are worthy because the Father says so. Yeah. That even in your sin, you're good and you're worthy because the Father says so. And we understand that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. And check this out. Sanctification comes through the Holy Spirit. Once I introduce you to Jesus, my name is not Pastor Holy Ghost. Mm, facts. My name is not Pastor Holy Spirit. And I think oftentimes we, 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 we present the gospel and we say behavior modification has to happen before salvation. That's not scripture. That's not scripture. That's not Bible. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, you see that all of us are sin and fall short on a regular basis. Even those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So behavior modification is not a prerequisite before salvation. And if we keep presenting that Jesus, that gospel to people, then we're going to watch those numbers continue to decline. Because I'm going to tell you what this current generation is, is they're not stupid. They understand yeah. that they are not perfect. They understand that they have flaws. They have issues and all that. And if you're saying that you have to present yourself perfectly, uh, no, no, no. The, he said present yourself as a living sacrifice. Stumble to that yeah. altar. Fall to that altar. And say, look, I'm, I'm wrestling with some things. I'm not really sure about a whole lot of things. I tell people mm-hmm. all the time, church is not the place where you come or a relationship with Christ is not the place where you come because you got it all together. It's the place where you come and you wrestle. God, I don't understand this. And, and, and God, I feel some kind of way about this. And God, I'm not sure about that. And God, I'm not. And God is open. Come now, let us reason together. Say it the Lord. Yeah. Though your sins, it's calling, yeah. I'll make them white as snow. But if you never come, then I can never make them white as snow. What are we yeah. doing, fam? Yeah. And so the yeah. worthiness is inherent because God created us and shaped us and formed us in his image. And so because we are worthy, we are supposed to continue to present Christ over and over and over and over again with the hope that they will receive the love and the message of Jesus Christ, allow his spirit to fill them. And then the Holy Spirit will work it out with that individual about what the practices are that separates them from him. Yeah. And, and that that is that is what you're talking about is being more grace conscious than sin conscious. Absolutely. And Absolutely. We, when we're grace conscious, we're conscious of the fact that through Christ, he died for all sins and yes. nailed them to the cross. And Absolutely. so all sins have been covered by Christ. It didn't say you got to get rid of them before he covers them. He covered them already because that's the love he had for us while we were in our sin he loved us yes. and you know that and that that's for me and for the ministry that we've been trying to develop and the ministry that 
so many of my friends have been trying to develop and, and kindred is is being more grace conscious than sin conscious realizing that sin is covered it already got defeated yes and, and when you only preach sin what happens is is that you forget grace is there yes. and because you said earlier that all of us have these devices in our hands we have these you know, uh, uh, cell phones and these miniature million dollar computers in our hands, you know, some of our phones could run the space program in 1964. And so we have all of this knowledge and technology in our hands and we have all this information that is readily available. And so those who are digitally, um, adapt are able to look up everything at an instant. And so they have a greater understanding of what is um, what is sin and what is grace. And most would rather look at the grace of it all. And I think that's what we all should. I, I understand that sin is a problem. And I understand that it can ultimately cause death. But the grace of Christ covers a multitude. It abounds much sin. more. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so, okay. So I'm, I'm going to jump back to, to this summer. Uh, you said that this past summer, um, we we know that there were several uh, protests that that erupted across the whole nation, mm-hmm. um, whether it be for Breonna Taylor or for George Floyd or the numerous other um, persons of color that were ultimately killed or beaten or harmed by. Uh, a, a justice system that is very unjust. Um, and so when you indicated that <clears throat> you were out um, doing justice, you, uh, you essentially were showing the church as a political, economic vehicle for change. And I think that that is what the church always needed to be right um when you look at liberation theology it indicates that for the gospel's sake we are striving for freedom that has already been given to us by christ when christ says that for freedom's sake i set you free that is a that is a justice call, right? And I think that the church, in a lot of ways, has forgotten its justice call, uh, its social call, its political call, its economic call, to free the people from whatever might be burdensome to them. And so for the black church specifically, 
we have to, I think that we have to be more involved in um, those avenues. Right. Um, because, again, Sunday in and Sunday out, there's some churches that will never bring up the injustice that's occurring in society. Mm -hmm. Just expecting the high from Sunday morning mm -hmm. praise and worship to carry you through right. your week. Not realizing that we're hurting. Um, we're suffering from post-traumatic stress. We're suffering from heartache. We're suffering from anger. Yeah. Um, we're tired. And I think that the church has to begin to speak to that a lot more than just try to hype me on a Sunday morning and not speak to the socio political and economic issues that we're facing that we have to be more involved in um, because again this this generation even us we we've always been you know we're we would be considered gen x and gen x has always been ready to fight for justice <laughs> right we you know people always act like they forget that they, they forget that we were we're not we're not children. I, I was born in 71. I'm not a child of the 60s, but so much of my political and social and economic um, teachings come from a King, a Malcolm X, uh, a, a, a Sonia Sanchez, a, mm -hmm. a, a James Baldwin, um, from, from a political uh, standpoint, that's what I was steeped in because my mm -hmm. parents were, 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 were 20 and 30 years old in the sixties. Yeah. You know? And so, and so they were dealing with political strife then and it was built into me. And so I've always been, uh, a fighter for change. Um, in the social, political, and economic realm. And I think that for some pastors and churches, because we're so focused on gospel, that we forget that Christ was Come a on. change agent. Absolutely. He's Absolutely. flipping over tables. Absolutely. And, and say, oh, what belongs to Caesar is Caesar's. What belongs to God is God's. Yep. You know, that. that's a change agent. Yeah. You know, and we forget that sometimes. I, I told somebody during the protest that uh, some people were like, well, do you think that it's appropriate for a pastor to be engaged in political protest? And I told him, I said, when I yell Black Lives Matter, I'm literally echoing what God said when he created Black Lives. Hmm. Like these things matter to God and justice matters to God. There are countless scriptures 
in, in, in the Old and the New Testament that speaks to restoring justice. Jesus even came and said that I came to set the captives free. Um, there are, again, there are countless scriptures. And we have to, we, especially those of us who are representatives of the church, those of us who are preachers and teachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to start teaching and preaching and declaring what the Bible declares and says about justice. Those are the issues that matter right yeah to these generations that are not coming into our churches it 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 i'm, I'm gonna say this but i don't care it bothers me that there are christian radio stations and television shows and like you mentioned earlier churches that are right in the middle of all the stuff that we are experiencing as human beings but they will not address it mm. right facts that, that when your people walk into the church, they're walking in with the weight of civil rest, civil unrest on their shoulders. When they when they walk in, they're walking with uh, with 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 the with the with the with the weight and the concerns and the worries of the pandemic and 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 and, and the concerns about what whether or not the children are getting proper education. You have to address it. You've got to give them hope. You've got to uh, you you have to let them know that God cares about those situations. And I'm not saying that that becomes then your, your one hour sermon, but that also, it, it, it has to be addressed. It just has to be addressed. Christ said, I came that you might have a life and that you might have it more abundantly. Um, and so, so, so the stuff that is happening to us in life matters. It matters. It absolutely matters. Character yeah. matters. Um, all of those things matter. Now, no, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm not going to tell you what you should or should not believe because, you know, the reality of the matter is that theology and politics have always clashed. And the reality is, is that none of us have a full understanding of God. And so you have to vote your conscience and, and all this other stuff based on what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. But at the end of the day, if you are at the helm or at the head of that local community of faith, it is your responsibility to, 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 to give the hope of Jesus Christ and to give some type of guidance, biblical, scriptural guidance, um, in and through what is going on in our world. We cannot ignore it. We cannot say, well, that's that's the world stuff and this is it. No, come on now. We got to do better than that. Um, and, and, and to be perfectly honest, when I'm talking to people um, and listening to people, that is one of their indictments against the church universal. Mm, yeah. Is that they're not yeah. talking about what's important to me. They're not even addressing it. We are sticking our hand, our heads in the sands of scripture, but we're not addressing any of the stuff that's going on. So you want me to drive by blocks where children are being shot on a regular basis, where drug dealers and prostitution is running rampant. You want me to drive by a, a signage that tells me that my life doesn't matter and that uh, um, that I need to go back to my motherland. You want me to drive past all that stuff to make it to the parking lot of your church for you to preach to me a sermon um, about Noah and, Noah and the ark and, 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 and then you get my tithe and then send me back home? That's the indictment that's against the church right now is that what is the purpose of me showing up and being a part of this thing that does not address the things that are bothering me, that does not address. So if we're going to represent Christ, we need to represent a holistic Christ who cares about all of mankind, all of humanity and all that humanity is going through to do to not do that is a dereliction of duty. It's yeah. irresponsible. Yeah. It's not a full representation of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, 
it all boils down to and all and all can be dis, distilled to love thy neighbor as Christ has loved the church. Right. Love thy neighbor as I have loved you. When we were if we're able to do that, then it will make the church much better. Mm-hmm. It'll make it more healthy. And and I think that you know, one of the things that I tell people oftentimes is that the very first time that Jesus is asked the question about what is the greatest command, he says, I love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy, with all thy mind, uh, with everything you have inside of you. Uh, and to love, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the first mm-hmm. time. Flash forward two years, he's asked the same question. And this time he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, with all your everything. And to love your neighbor as I love you. He changes the idea of how you're supposed to love because in his time of dealing with with folk, he realizes that they don't love themselves. And if you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. And so I can't, I can't give you the command to love your neighbor as you love yourself if you don't love your own self. Right. So I have to give you a greater example to love your neighbor as I have loved you. Yeah. Because I came and gave my all for you. I gave my yeah. very life for you, or, or I'm about to give my very life for you and go to this cross right. for you. And three days yeah. later, I'm going to get up for you because I love you beyond who I am and beyond what I want because I want the best for your life. Right. And so he changes everything just in what he tells us because again the reality is is that we don't love ourselves and so sometimes it's hard for us to love our neighbor Mm -hmm. because there's something broken inside of us Mm -hmm. and so when when we when we take all of that and we begin to really again, distill it down and say, okay, this is what it's supposed to be about. Um, we can wipe away a lot of the mess that that continues to get pep- per- perpetuated um, in, a, in the lives of the believers and the lives of just people in yeah. general, not just the lives of believers. Uh, because we're supposed to be reaching out and saving those people. So so we, we, we're not here to do a post-mortem because the church ain't dead. So, church ain't dead. so we're doing like a, we're doing a checkup. A That's checkup right. on what's the health and life of the church. How, how's the church doing? So, so yeah. if you had to, if, if you had to put on your doctor's coat, um, you've been to the doctor before, you know that he tells you, or he tells me, um, uh, you got, you got high blood pressure, uh, your your sugar is bad. 
um, you need to exercise more. Um, you know, the rolls on the back of your neck are a little too big and you need to, to slim them down. Uh, the doctor didn't say that to me, not for real, not for real. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm going to need you to switch some doctors, to? right? You ain't got no bed set about it at all, bro. That's kind of rude. Kind of uh, rude. But if you had to put on your doctor's robe and kind of diagnose and tell the church what it needs to do in order to improve its health and it and ultimately extend its life, what would you say to it? I don't know. This is off the cuff. Yeah, you didn't give me that one uh, in the email. But... Um, <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. And it's actually interesting that you bring up this particular analogy because I was actually thinking about how doctors continue to serve during the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. They couldn't see patients the way that they were normally seeing patients. So they started something called telehealth. Amen. Yeah. And telehealth allowed them the opportunity to still serve their patients, see their patients, diagnose their patients. And if they had to meet the patient face to face for whatever reason, the doctor evolved how they treated the patient. And I guess that would that leads into what I would tell the church. And I would tell the church is that times are changing. Times have changed. We are living in history, right? Isaiah 43, the Bible tells and declares, behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Um, and I think that in our attempt to want to return to normal, the Holy Spirit is saying, I don't desire for you to return to anything. I'm looking for you and I desire for you to evolve into what I'm doing new. And so what I would tell the church is to embrace the new, whatever that is that God is doing, whatever ministry looks like, as long as it remains on target with the mission of Jesus Christ, which is to share the good news of the kingdom of God so that all may be saved, then we need to be ready to be able to walk that out in a new way. It's not a new gospel. It's not a new message, but it may be a new presentation. It's a new opportunity for us to miss people. And if we don't begin to embrace the new, if we don't um, be courageous enough um, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and we just kind of launch out into the deep, into this place that we've never known before, then we're gonna miss a lot of good fishing. We're gonna miss a lot of good fish we're going to miss a lot of great opportunities. And so the church has to be prepared to evolve. The church has to be prepared to take that same message and present it in a new way. Um, it's your grandmama's gospel, but this is not your grandmama's church. Amen. And so we have to be prepared to have courageous conversations and say, what is, what is, what is the mission? What is our intention? How do we carry this out? And in what new ways can we do it? And check this out. If we feel a leading of the Holy Spirit to do something in a way that we've never done it before, guess who's responsible for the outcome? God. Yeah. Take the weight off your shoulders and be like, God, if you're saying, hey, we're going to do it this way, then trust God for the outcome. Trust yeah. God for the outcome and just believe that God, if you're leading us to do it this way, then it's going to happen. But we're going to have to throw out our measurement sticks. We're going to throw out our matrices. We're going to throw out our cookie cutter ways of how we've measured success. And we've got to say, what are the kingdom standards for measurement? And God, if you're pleased with it, then we'll roll with it. But that means we've got to unlearn a lot of bad things and start embracing the new things that God is doing in this season as we continue to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ to a generation 
who does not know him. And who knows? Maybe maybe it's 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 us, the fifty and unders, the fifty and ups, right? That they go, you know what? I'll be the one that'll be in church every Sunday, but I also know that there's a place for me to connect uh, digitally online. I don't know. But what I do know is God is doing a new thing and we can't miss what God is doing in this season because we want to hold on to what is familiar. We have to embrace the new and we have to say, God, whatever you're desiring to do in this season, I'm willing to be obedient, but I'm extremely uncomfortable right now. God can work with that because that's really, really honest. Yeah. You know, me and my wife were talking the other day and if I had to, if I had to put on that same coat, um, I, I would, I would tell the church that we need to reevaluate our life. Um, we have to take stock of the changes that the body is going through. Um, mm-hmm. My fifty-year-old body is not the same as my twenty-five-year-old body. Um, right. There have been some dramatic changes in in my weight, in my endurance, uh, in, in my beard. ability to stand without in my your, knees creaking. In your and gray hair. In your lack of hair. What would you say? My head. My head. I, said, I can't stand your... you. I, that's why I hate you. <laughs> I knew twenty five year old you, and yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. You are, you are absolutely. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead, go. Go ahead with your point. 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 You was being deep. You was being deep. Go back to the deep. Go back. Don't come over my petty side of the water. Go back to the deep. But yeah, twenty five you. We got a hairline. Came out. Go back to yes, right. You were saying you once had a hairline. So so what I was saying. A black beard. Is that but you we don't have now. to go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we have to we have to we have one of the things that I told my wife the other day is that sometime at at a at the five year and ten year point in the life of a church, they should do a checkup. Amen. They, Amen. they should go and look at their vision statement their motto, uh, their constitution, their bylaws, they should go and look at um, the, 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 the catchphrases and the ideology that they built their church on and determine, is this vision statement still valid? Mm-hmm. And I understand that most of the times we put out these very broad vision statements um, to to save the save the the loss for Christ to to be friendly and to outreach to the community. But have you done any of those things that are in your vision statement? Have you lived up to the church motto or mantra? Have you really been what your phraseology says that you are? Are you a loving church? If you have in your banner a church full of love, go back and check, do the checkup. Right. Because if, you, if you're honest, again, I think that's part of the issue too, is that we're not honest. Yep. 
And so just like the diabetic will keep on eating things they ain't supposed to eat. The church oftentimes will keep doing stuff it ain't supposed to do because it's the way it's always been done. But when you're honest with yourself, and if the church was to be honest about itself, they would go, okay, I need to cut my sugar intake. I need to cut out the bread and starches that I eat. I need to watch those white flour things. I need to make sure that I'm getting more fruits, vegetables, and things that will help to lower my my sugar level. Um, and so sometimes the church has to stop and go, okay, we need to reevaluate and be honest with ourselves of what the health of our current congregation is. And I'm not talking about health of the people. I'm talking about the health of the spiritual being. That's right. You know, and if, and if we go back and look at it and go, okay, this is our vision statement. Have we in the last five years met any one of these things? Right. If we had a five year plan and said, we want to start a, a food bank, but the food bank never started, where did it fail? And why is that in your statement? Uh, If you say, we want to be a church that reaches the unchurched and unsaved, but you ain't baptized nobody or had any new member come into the church that was not saved in the last three years, you need to reevaluate what am I doing and how did I fail at this? Yeah. Because if we do if that, we, go ahead. No, go ahead. If we do that, go ahead. Oh, if we do that, we put ourselves in a better position to, to be transformative. Because part of, part of saving the lives of other people is that you're helping to transform their lives. But if you can't transform the life of your ministry, then you can't transform the life of people. Right. Right. And the reality of the matter is, is that just in the history of any church, of any church, um, and so if you're, again, if you're willing to be honest and courageous, that that assessment needs to happen every 10 years. So, you know, I'm a church planner. You're a church planner. They, they Church planners are challenged to do exactly what you're, what you're saying, that every five to 10 years you need to look at that that you know is the vision and mission of your are you living into the vision and mission of your church does that need to change but also what you need to assess is what's changed in the culture mm. what's changed in the culture right and so you know maybe when you got started you were you were doing a food pantry in a clothes closet um but you know now there's been gentrification in your neighborhood and the people that you're serving don't quite look the same you know um yeah one of the first churches that my wife and I went on staff with was a church plant in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and the church um, was predominantly white, pretty, pretty affluent, but they were now in the, the community had changed in the, over the last 15 years. And Castlewood went from being a predominantly white, affluent suburban type of area in Lexington, Kentucky to being a predominantly African-American and Hispanic community. And so that church had to have a pretty courageous conversation to say, we are dying slowly, but we have the resources 
to pour into a new ministry. And that church um, very courageously decided to close their doors and die as Castlewood Christian Church and, and be reborn as Vision Christian Church. And, and they were very, very intentional about reaching people who did not look like them, who did not speak like them, who did not worship like them, because they understood that the culture of the community had changed. And I think that, again, like you said, Pastor Crossway, if we are, are, are intentional about making sure that the mission of Jesus Christ is the objective of the church, then the church does whatever the church needs to do to get that message out. Yeah. Whether it's clothes, yeah. closet, food pantry, if that, if that works out and it's done, okay, then we move to the next thing. But whatever we're doing, we're making sure that, uh, that the message of Jesus Christ is moving forward. And, you know, you saying that, it's akin to the fact that we have to lean into the things that we do well or that we, we can do well. And if you're at a, if you're a church or ministry that when you evaluate yourself, honestly, you're not seeing any good that you're doing or anything you can lean into, you need to reevaluate the whole thing. Yeah, you just absolutely. need to reevaluate the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and and start fresh and go back to the first building blocks and going, okay, what do we mm -hmm. actually do well? Yeah. And what are we doing that other churches aren't doing? And yeah. how do we fill the void? Because that's yeah. where why you are we are. doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Like yeah. why? Why? Yeah, I, I had a, I, I met with a, a very traditional Baptist church uh, like right before the pandemic. And they asked me to do a workshop for the youth leadership and they, and again, this is no disrespect and I'm not even going to say the name of the church because their intentions were pure. Um, but they were still doing sewing circles and they were complaining about the girls not showing up to the sewing circles. Right? And I was like, I say, who is showing up to the sewing uh, circles? We still doing that? Well, back in the day, we had sewing circle and the girls would show up to the circle, sewing circles. I said, who's at the sewing circles now? And they talked about the majority of the people at the sewing circles now were older people. I said, guess why? Because old people sew, older people sew. That doesn't mean that there are some younger people that don't care about sewing. But if that's listed under one of your youth ministry activities, if I'm a young person and I got an option between I... Xbox on Friday night or the sewing circle, I'm not going to be at the sewing circle. Why are you doing this? <laughs> right and so you know they had to have a really they they laughed and somebody said they thought i was being pretty hard but the truth of the matter is why are you doing that now i understand that there are opportunities but could that same group of women present a new opportunity and still do the same things because it's so in circle they talked about life skills they talked about home economics they presented the gospel all of those things are great and are still very much needed for young ladies but maybe there's a new way to present this. And let's be honest, you know, in a world where gender norms are pretty flexible, flexible these days, if you're going to keep the sewing circle, open it up to everybody. Let the boys sew too. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, why do we do what we're doing? And again, are we, are we, are we being intentional? Are we being missional? Are we being evangelistic? Are we being a bridge or are we being a barrier? Yeah. 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 I agree 110%. Yeah. Well, Pastor Max, we are over our time, and oh, I so appreciate you just coming and hanging Amen. out, even if your petty gets the best of you sometimes, and you talk about even when I try to do right. 
even when I try to do right, he shot a whole bullshit. Ride my Honda, kickstart a Honda. <laughs> Thank anyway, you for having bro, me, uh, man. Love you, bro. I, I love the fact that you joined me tonight, and I, I just, I pray that somebody receives something from what we just kicked around and talked about. I don't know if you did, but I hope that the church does. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of more, a lot of different interesting things that might not have a scriptural uh, beginning, but will always lead to scripture. And so you heard us kick around scripture and you heard us talk through real issues. And so sometimes as believers, we got to talk through real issues um, because if we don't, then we become a, a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And we, you know, this becomes nothingness into the air. And so, um, I'm so glad that you joined me and that you decided to hang out with me. Um, we'll do this again. We'll probably have another topic, but I'm gonna wait until after my brother is in a transition right now, and yeah. we're praying for his transition. And so, we'll probably have to punt um, until like November, maybe, for the next link up. <laughs> Cause uh, he got to get he got to get his house boxed up. Uh, I he know is, it. He is I know going it. to be. Uh, can I tell the world? You can. It was it, it was uh, made public today by the ministry. So you go you go ahead. Oh well, see that's perfect timing. So he is <laughs> transition. Him and his family are moving to Chicago uh, to for some new opportunities and some new ministry uh, 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 endeavors. And so we're so excited. I am so excited. You know, I'm always going to be Hercules, 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 uh, <laughs> because I want the best for your life and for your family. Thank and so you, I really am Thank excited you. about what's happening. And so as he prepares, like they're going to be breaking out soon. Um, so they're like trying to break down. So be praying for them. Uh, pray for. Uh, you see, my books uh, are gone. Like the bookshelves yeah, are thinner now. So you got them yeah, boxed up? Yeah. Yeah, Woo. they boxed up. Yeah. yeah, I, I know those, that, and that's that's a, a horror story. Moving books, I know. Move, I you know I got all these bookshelves that I have. So yeah, 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 yeah. We'll we'll talk offline about what I need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah pray yeah. pray for his pray for his finances. Pray for his ministry. Pray for his for new for new um, new endeavors and new opportunities. And pray that they walk into every single blessing that God has in store for them. So please be in prayer for my brother. Again, I love you, bro. Thank you for joining. Uh, hang out for a few seconds after we click the, uh, the stream off. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you guys on the other side. So next week, next week, we got a good one. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. But next week, we got a good one. And we are going to, we're going to break some stuff. Uh, in the church, and so uh, I'm excited. We got a sister coming, Sister Tracy Simmons, who's been coming and speaking to us. And speaking My homegirl. Um, yes, yes. Uh, this is Pastor Max. She's one of the elders at his church, and so we're excited about that. And so come and check us out next week. We'll have the flyer out next week. Uh, we don't want to give you too much leeway, uh, but it's going to be interesting. 
and I am loving it. So again, talking to through tough or talking through hard things. Amen. So God bless you. God keep you. God let his face shine upon you and God be gracious unto thee. May God lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.